to Your Sales MBA, the podcast where your hosts, Jeff Hoffman and Cece Apparel, answer your most challenging sales and management questions. Let's get things started with this week's topic. Do you know the difference between prospecting to people and titles versus prospecting to triggers? Are you concerned that you won't reach the right prospects fast enough? Do you constantly feel like you're fighting for your prospects' attention? This week, Cece and Jeff are answering Jakob's email about prospecting to people versus prospecting to trigger events. Your Sales MBA starts now. Alrighty. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Your Sales MBA. I'm Cece Aparo, and Jeff Hoffman is here as well. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Cece. Jeff and I are just getting off of a long haul of travel with spending a lot of time with our corporate clients on the other side of the country in San Francisco. But Jeff, you were everywhere last week. Where were you? I was. I was in Nashville, Omaha, and San Francisco. It was quite a week. Luckily, <laughs> the, the weather week. was good. The flying wasn't too bad. The reps were wonderful. So it was a, it was a good week. Um, just, just recouping now on this Monday morning. I know. We're, we're back to reality. But here's my question, Jeff, because the last week I was in San Francisco, too, for a couple of days. Took the red eye home. This is my dilemma. Every time I travel, it's 2019. I'm trying to be a healthy eater. My New Year's resolution. Why is there no healthy food in an airport? It's gross, especially some of the smaller it's so- airports. There's nothing. You know, it, it drives me nuts. So, what's your go-to? What do you do? Well, it depends on what it is. Because if it's like Monday, Tuesday, you know, like Sunday night, I'm packing a lunch. I've got healthy snacks in my bag. But wait, you bring your own snacks? I will on Monday or Tuesday, but then if you like start, once we get into the second town of this trip or the third flight or the fourth day, I'm at, you know, pretzel wetzel or whatever the hell it is in the mall and just eating, eating whatever crap I can throw oh, down no. my throat. So you start the week with promise and you end with horrible food shaming. That's kind of how I do it. It works for me. Well, my issue, my issue is as soon as you walk to the airport and you smell that Auntie Annie's pretzel, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. It could be five in the morning. Five o'clock at night. Like I have to have it. It's terrible. The la di da going to. What did you? Which one did you go to? Aunt Annie's pretzel. Yeah, see, I'm at pretzel wetzel. I don't, I'm not nearly. I've nicer. never heard of that a day in my yeah, life. You're in nicer airports than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna have to figure this out together. If you are a traveler like us and you listen to this podcast and you have a healthy hat, please send it to us because we desperately need it. It's. It's well, a sad, it, sad story. Send it to Cece. It's only going to make me feel bad about myself if you send it to me. Send it to, send it to Cece. <laughs> yeah, send it my way. I'd love to know what everyone's doing. This is like a hot topic of conversation in my house. So please, any help people can provide, we'd greatly appreciate. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is Door Sales MBA. And the goal of this podcast is to answer every question you've ever had as a sales rep at every stage of the sales funnel. Every week, we are answering one email that we've received from either someone who listens to us, someone who came to one of our public workshops, sat through a corporate training, and the whole episode is all about answering this one person's email and making sure that they have the answer they need so that they can go execute whatever sales dilemma they're dealing with. So this week, we have Yaakov. Yaakov attended actually one of my corporate trainings in Boston. So hi, Akov. Thank you so much for sending us this note, but I'm going to jump into the email. Are you ready, Jeff? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. He says, hi, Susie and Jeff. Can you please explain the distinction 
between prospecting to people versus prospecting to triggers. For example, sales enablement is our ideal client, but you won't call sales enablement at all if he or she wasn't mentioned at a trigger event, even if they're the best profile or persona. Why? And how do you set that up? I'm concerned I won't get to the right people or the problem owners fast enough and that some C-levels expect reps to reach their directors or VPs directly so they don't respond to external emails. Please help. Okay. All right. Yeah, great question. And for those of you who are not familiar with our programs or our approaches, one of the things we advocate is when you prospect, when you call into organizations where you don't have any real connections or leads, we advocate that you look for triggers or events as opposed to people. Now, this is for those who are listening to podcasts who are what we would refer to as B2B or enterprise sales, business to business. If you're selling to companies, this is appropriate. If you're selling to people, well, then clearly you want to sell the consumers, for example. If you're doing cold calling in that regard, you would inevitably call the person you're trying to reach. But in enterprise sales, it's kind of a bad habit. It seems obvious, but it's a bad habit, and I'll tell you why. First, if you think back to any deal you've ever worked on in your career that you started and finished in the business-to-business or enterprise space, whether it was a week or a year to close, ask yourself, hey, is the signature on the purchase order or contract, was that the same name that I talked to with the very first conversation I had with this company? I think the chances are beyond overwhelming that the answer is no. We know this. We know that it takes some navigating to kind of ferret our way through an org chart and find our buyers. And yet we forget this when we prospect. So what we wind up doing is we prospect with opportunity in mind. So we prospect thinking, I know what I sell. I know what likely roles, titles, and responsibilities buy it. I'm going to take all my smart, clever knowledge and apply it to LinkedIn and see if I can't find the best individual that meets these requirements. Now, Give yourself a pat on the back because not only are you being creative and smart, there's a good chance you were right. And as you give yourself that pat on the back, you might also want to remind yourself why you don't have anybody emailing you back from this attempt. Because what happens is, you're right, you will find your buyer. And so will every other sales rep who's selling what you sell. See, you don't want to think that you're such an incredible sleuth that you're able to connect dots that nobody knows. If you're in sales enablement product, and you do some searches for sales enablement in your target account list. You search for uh, sales development. You search for sales ops. You search for those main buzzwords. You're going to very quickly have a list of 20 people in, the, in 20 accounts you could call on, as will every other rep who is doing the similar search to you. And the challenge with that is this. Ask your buyer in any of the accounts you've already closed. Ask your buyer how many cold calls they get from similar vendors to you in a given month, and you're going to be staggered at the answer. You are fighting so many people for attention, and it's too easy to get a no there. So we advocate that you call a source of a trigger and ask for the referral. So if you're selling sales enablement product that allows sales organizations to, let's say, um, gamify some of onboarding and their learning. And your buyer is traditionally someone who's in charge of sales enablement. Instead of going after them with a straight line, why don't you look to see if there are other evidences 
of that organization where they use gamification in other places, maybe with their UI or maybe with their uh, marketing efforts. If you're able to discover that, then cold call that individual who's a mile away from your buyer and say something to the effect of, look, I know you guys are doing this at your company. This is our approach for our product. Normally, we present this as sales enablement. Who should I talk to? And although that seems like you're adding a step to the process, which you are, you are inevitably going to wind up parachuting into your buyer, the same person you probably already identified, but you'll be arriving at their doorstop with a warm referral instead of your cold call. So there's some other reasons as well, but that's the main reason we advocate it. We can kind of drill down a little bit too, but Cece, I know you have some thoughts on this. Well, I think the most important thing that you said there, well, it's twofold. Number one, something you said that resonates with me is it's too easy to get a no when you go directly to your buyer. You call into sales enablement. If that is the person who will be eventually signing that purchase order or signing that contract, if they say no, it's game over and you got to put that account on ice for some time before you come back around to it. But if you get no or you get a no from someone who is a little bit to the right or to the little bit to the left of your buyer, then it doesn't matter. You can still work that account. You can still find other triggers or other events or other people to reach out to. It's not game over before you even start, which is great. We want to mitigate risk when we have limited engagement. The less engaged you are in an account, the more you want to mitigate the risk because there's, the conversion rates are so bad. As the deal advances, your fears around mitigating risk should diminish because the conversion rate as you get through each sales stage improves. What most reps do is the opposite. Most reps are impervious to risk in the beginning of an opportunity because they're feeling like, hey, I don't know anyone in there anyway who cares. And then as the deal advances, they're terrified about risk because that deal has already got a lot of work into it. You already have forecasted. But in reality, the more you work an account, the less risky it becomes. They might not buy, but the idea that they're just going to go away after you've been working with them for four months is not that high if you're doing a good job. So you don't have to worry about risk there. But in the cold calling stage, Every mistake I make is magnified when I cold call because they're looking for reasons to not call you back or to not work with you. So totally agree with you, Cece. But what about this other point? Because I think this is one that I hear all the time in trainings, and I know you do too, which is I'm afraid that my competitor or someone else will get to that person before I do if I add this extra step in. Yeah. It feels like a fool's errand when we say those kind of things. We worry about the competitor getting in first. First of all, so what if they get in first? Honestly, I right. mean, if you got in a week later, what's I mean, you have a six-month sales cycle. Who cares when you got in? <laughs> but consider, consider this. Because there might be one person you think is the right person, and you're normally prospecting to him or her as is your competitors, and then all of a sudden you change gears and decide to find triggers and events, well, you might open up the profile to now reach out to four, five, six, seven people in your company because they all have different triggers associated to them. And maybe they all give you the same buyer. But at least in that regard, the competitive rep who made a beeline to the buyer may or may not have gotten an audience. But if I show up a week later with three different executives saying, oh yeah, you want to talk to her? I know the chance of me getting a decent meeting are very high regardless of the extra week I put into it. So I'm not, I'm, I think it's a non-starter. I couldn't agree more. And let's call a spade a spade. We're, we're saying an extra week here, but in reality, and we've seen this play out because this is something that you and I both do when we're prospecting. 
it's an extra two days. It's an extra, it, it really, that time we are counting the minutes and the seconds when we're waiting for responses. But when you cast such a wide net and you're able to reach out to three, four or five people at the same account with different messages and they're pointing you back, that extra day or two or even that extra week, it doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. Absolutely agree. So, all right. Well, I think Jakob's got his answer here. The right thing to do is to reach out a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left of your target buyer. Go to different departments. Start with the trigger. Start with what is actually going on at this account and use that as a reason to call because that's exactly what you should be asking yourself before you pick up the phone in the first place. Why am I calling them? Shouldn't be just about what's going on with marketing collateral that you have or an upcoming conference you have. Those might be appropriate closes to introduce, but let's start with them. Let's start with what they're focused on and start with an event. Yeah, and think about all the incredible things it's going to give you when you do this. You're going to have multiple conversations with different business unit owners. You're going to understand the business better. You're going to understand their application better. Your context gets better. And because you're mitigating risk, you're probably going to be less stressed when you do it. I wouldn't dream of going to my buyer in a corporate account on call one, if I hadn't already done the requisite work and had enough conversations prior, so I had confidence for that moment. You get one bite at that apple. The first conversation with the potential buyer has got to go well. And I'm not, I'm not a fan of risking that moment because I want to get there three days earlier. Amen. I couldn't agree more. Well, listen, Jacob, you know what to do now. And if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, how do I do this? What should my email sound like? What should my call sound like? We have a ton of other episodes on this topic, other resources for you to listen to. And we have our public workshop. Jeff, we've never talked about the public workshops on the podcast. I need you to give everyone your 30-second elevator pitch on what are public workshops. Sure. So if you are a salesperson whose organization they work for is either too small or too cheap to actually invest in you, we have an answer for you. Throughout the year, we, we host a variety of workshops where we do deep dive topics on a variety of topics like prospecting, negotiation, and close. And you learn more than we deal with here on the podcast. You get a lot more detail and a lot more tactical ways where you can actually write a good email that will get a response, you know, 30% of the time or have a meeting that ends in a close or negotiate towards the stronger wins early. If you really want to learn these techniques in a more intimate and intense setting and you don't have a way of doing it with your company, check out our website. You'll see it under the workshops heading. Good chance we're in one of the towns near you. We'd love to see you. Absolutely. And Jeff, one more thing. What is one thing that everyone should be doing today so that they can go 2X on their pipe moving into the rest of the week? It's a Monday. Well, it's a Wednesday in their world, but it's a Monday in our world. So That's right. Well, you know, I'd say one thing or two things. One thing. One thing they should do today. Yeah. Okay. Read a periodical or blog that you're certain your target market reads. Get comfortable with their vocabulary. This is not so you can impress them. It's so you understand the acronyms and the vocabulary that they use. I like it. 
Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, this is what you should be doing right now. You should be ending this podcast, going, finding triggers at the current accounts that you're working, and then going and taking that extra step and reading a blog or an article on something that is meaningful to your target audience. And in the meantime, happy selling. Happy selling, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. Remember to send us your sales questions at podcast at sellhoffman.com, or you can even tweet us at Your Sales MBA Pod. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you can be the first ones to get Jeff and Cece's expert sales tips delivered right to your earbuds every week. Happy selling, everyone. Thank you.